Christmas is about God making his entrance into our world in the little town of Bethlehem, which is a real place. You can visit it today. There's a guy in our church who grew up there and his name's Joseph. It's so cool. You know, the whole rest of the message of Christianity, the rest of the gospel is about God making his entrance into our lives. And I believe God does it in the opposite, most shocking way we could ever imagine. Hey, this is Matt Hook, the shepherd of The Shepherd and the Shrink. And I wanted to thank you for listening. And I would love if you want to continue to be able to hear good content like this to go on patreon.com, The Shepherd and the Shrink. And that's us. We would love your support, whether it's $5 a month or $20 a month. It's really valuable and can help us out. Thanks. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Matt Hook, the shepherd of the shepherd and the shrink. And I'm here to share with you this, this day around Christmas. And I don't know about you, for me, Christmas was a favorite holiday. It kind of shifted to Thanksgiving, probably because I don't have to work on Thanksgiving. And this Christmas, I've got to preach like five sermons and all kinds of stuff and make sure everybody gets welcomed and, and uh, let alone all the home stuff that we deal with and that we go through. And so I just wanted to take time to reflect a little on Christmas because all of us are looking for something when it comes to Christmas, the gifts, the togetherness, the quiet, the break from work, hopefully, and just wanted to reflect on something that really makes Christmas unique. And my hope is that whatever you're going through, great season or challenging season, can't wait to get this year over. It is my hope that you want to experience Christmas. And interestingly enough, I heard someone advertising that Christmas was celebrating Santa's birthday. What? Yeah, Santa's birthday. That's how subtly things shift. And I believe that there is spiritual power to be had in our lives, but it's not going to happen from celebrating Santa's birthday. When we start to sub out things of our own invention for the truth, whether or not you are a Christ follower or not, it really makes an impact for good or ill, depending on what we're talking about. So it is my hope that you want to experience Christmas and I would say this, for you to fully get what you need, you need to experience Christ in Christmas. And whether you mean the archetypal Christ, somebody who's self-giving, somebody who's all-loving, or whether you mean Jesus of Nazareth, it really plays out the same. You know, if that is you and you are looking for something this season, you're among so many people searching so many people searching around the world. And so it's my job as the shepherd to ask, what are we searching for? That's a huge question. And the answer can range for world peace, 
for personal peace? What am I searching for this year? Is it for hope? <laughs> maybe it's for a break or maybe it's for love. I am searching for love and for sympathy. Maybe I'm searching for understanding or meaning to the craziness that's going on in my life, let alone the craziness that's going on in the world. Maybe I'm searching for rest this year. Maybe I'm searching for a chance to forget the hardships of my life. Maybe I'm searching for health and better health. Maybe I'm searching for a relief or a solution to the conflicts in my life, including those relationships that I want to be better in. Maybe I'm even searching for an escape from boredom. You know, it kind of goes along with the, the identity crisis message that we've been led to believe we're consumers. We've been led to believe we're spectators. We've been led to believe we're to be self-interested individuals. Maybe we've been led to believe that our lives are now beyond right and wrong or beyond God or beyond meaning and purpose. I think all of those things, if we have been led to believe and we're going with them, can lead to some pretty devastating boredom. And we end up skimming through our relationships, skimming through our lives, skimming through our schedules. And simply put, as a shepherd, I think I would want everybody to have a more raw experience with Christmas than any of those reliefs. Here's what I propose. I propose this Christmas, maybe if we get down under the surface, what we're searching for is this. We're searching for God to make his entrance. Christmas is about God making his entrance into our world in the little town of Bethlehem, which is a real place. You can visit it today. There's a guy in our church who grew up there and his name's Joseph. It's so cool. You know, the whole rest of the message of Christianity, the rest of the gospel is about God making his entrance into our lives. And I believe God does it in the opposite, most shocking way we could ever imagine. It wasn't just about angels and shepherds. It was about this. God emptied himself. Christmas, in a way, is about God emptying himself. And you know what? I want this so badly. I want God to make his entrance into our world and into my life so badly. Maybe you do too. The problem is, I believe that there is this brokenness in the world. I was having a great conversation yesterday with a good friend that I've known in the community. And uh, he's a philosopher in his brain and was talking about his belief in humanism. And I said, I am so for that. We are so similar in our understanding. But what I would say that's maybe different in my understanding is that we all have a flaw that I don't believe humanism can address. And we can't educate ourselves from this flaw. We can't provide enough resources to get out of this flaw. And it was a really great conversation. But what I would say this flaw is, is this brokenness, this sin in the world around us and the sin in our own lives. And this interferes with our experience of the peace or rest or longing that we have when it comes to Christmas time. The sin makes us integrating this entrance of God into the world, into our lives. It makes it difficult to achieve for all of us. And the sin in the world, the sin in ourselves, not only makes it difficult to receive God 
in this way, especially at Christmas time. I believe the sin in the world and in ourselves leads us away from God. And I believe the reason we don't experience God, the reason we don't experience his plan for our lives is because we've been fed a great lie. And this lie has been around since Jesus' day. Simply put, here's the lie. Those who are being served the most are most important. That's it. We believe today those who are being served the most are the most important. Or the greatest of all is served by all. There's entire industries that have learned the monetary truth that those who do the serving reap the most benefits. Most of us want to be taken care of. The great lie that we've been given has been given a boost over the last 50 years as consumerism has become the dominant theory of our society. The economic theory that a progressively greater consumption of goods is beneficial. We want more, better, faster. And when we get it, the little voice inside us says this, yeah, this is good. It feels good to be taken care of. Another word for that is it's upward mobility. How many of us have gotten into trouble because we have been programmed to consume? The businesses that can offer the greatest number of services to their customers will win the lion's share of the market and they will reap the greatest reward. You and I need to learn this truth on the spiritual level because this is what the meaning of Christmas is. You know, there's four gospels about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew wrote his gospel to a Jewish audience. Mark wrote his gospel to a Roman audience. Luke wrote his gospel to a Greek audience. John wrote his gospel to a second and third generation Christian audience. And only two of them talk about Bethlehem, Matthew and Luke. Only Matthew talks about the wise men. It's kind of interesting to read the two accounts. And Luke's begins his with the account of the birth of John the Baptist, who is the forerunner of Jesus, preparing the people's hearts for when Jesus began his public ministry at around the age of 30. But Matthew and Luke talk about the birth of Jesus and how it took place in Bethlehem, which fulfills a prophecy in the minor prophet Micah, who talked about this is where the Savior would come from. Mark begins his ministry, his gospel, with when Jesus starts his ministry at age 30. And John starts his gospel way before Jesus showed up in Bethlehem around the year zero AD. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word we would say as Christ followers is Jesus. So he literally boils the whole Christmas message into four words in his gospel. John chapter one, he says this, the word became flesh. Takes Luke 2000 words to tell the birth of Jesus. Takes John just four of them. The word became flesh. I guess you could add and dwelt among us. But I want to take us to someplace else in scripture. And this is from Philippians chapter two. And this is another take on the birth of Jesus, if you want to put it that way. And here's how Paul, who wrote this letter to the Christ followers in Philippi, which is a place you can visit in Greece today. And here's what Paul writes. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, there's a sermon right there. As the shepherd, that's part of my job. You know what? Attitudes are contagious. My only question 
to you is, is yours worth catching? So he starts out, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. I believe that is God coming to earth, born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He emptied himself. He took the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. So I want to take that as our look at Christmas this year and simply God making his entrance and us experiencing what it is that we're truly looking for. So I would say this, self-emptying, self-emptying is the key to God's entrance in the Christmas story. God emptied himself so much that Jesus needed help. He emptied himself so much Jesus needed help to be fed to have his diaper changed, to be touched, to be loved by this peasant couple that we call Mary and Joseph. That's the underlying true craziness of Christmas. Christ Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, a newborn baby, being made in the likeness of humanity. He humbled himself to the point of death. What an incredible sacrifice. And here's where it becomes very trippy. Here's where it becomes the opposite of the mantra of our world today. We are looking for upward mobility and increased opportunities. But Jesus was on the ultimate trip of downward mobility. Christmas is about his journey of downward mobility. Think about it. Christmas, as glorious as it is, as beautiful as the music is, Christmas means Jesus Christ gave up all the benefits of being the son of God. He was worshiped eternally by the angels who were created for no other reason than to praise him 24-7, eternally. Jesus emptied himself of that. Remember, Jesus Christ was never created. Christ is eternal before anything that was made. He's one with God and is God. Jesus was never born until he gave all that up to come to earth. So when he came to earth as a little baby, Jesus Christ gave up heaven itself, the place where the glory of God is the only light, to come to earth where we can't always see God. And scripture says here that we only see through a darkened mirror in 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus felt that reality as a human. Jesus Christ gave up heaven itself where there was no presence of sin, no unrighteousness, no temptation to take on our nature and to come to our fallen world with the very real presence of sin and temptation and the suffering that results from that. Christ gave up heaven where there's eternal life. There's no suffering. There's no illness. There's no dying. There's no crying to become downwardly mobile to a place where suffering and illness and dying are normal parts of our lives. 
funny, the only truly sick people out there are those who refuse to accept the reality of suffering. And so they become sick by trying to cover up their suffering with junk crap. Jesus Christ gave up being worshipped eternally by the angels in order to be scorned. There's an old school word. He was scorned. He was rejected. He was canceled by people of every level, even the denial of his best friends at the end of his life at around age 33. That's not even a full life, even for the first century. No one understood who Jesus was. And even if they did, they suffered from the inability to love him. Think of that. This is Christmas. This condition of brokenness is the very reason Jesus came as our Savior. Christ, who eternally created everything, held everything together, all things, the Bible says, subjected himself to his own creation. It's like the toy maker became one of the toys, and all the toys turned on him. There's kind of a horror movie waiting to be put together there. So this condition of brokenness is the very reason he came as our Savior, subjecting himself to his own creation, even to the point where the creation turned on the creator. And not only that, but Jesus became a lowly man, the humblest of all people. Jesus was the most humble of all people because he was a servant to everyone. He was homeless. People who are Christians, you can go up and tell them, you know what, why is it that you worship a homeless guy who was murdered? Because that's the bare bones reality of it. He became a lowly man, the most humble of all people. He was a servant to everyone. He was homeless. You know, if I were coming to earth and giving up heaven and giving up all that, I'd at least have allowed myself a few comforts. I'd like make myself king or prince of a, a small country or at least a city or something. So somebody had something to offer me, but not Jesus. He gave up everything. Jesus Christ, who had everything, gave it all up. Merry Christmas. He plummeted down to the point of hitting rock bottom. This is the ultimate downward mobility. And I think it's interesting that one of our goals is upward mobility. Why do we do what we do to get ahead, to have the freedom to do what we want, to be upwardly mobile, to go places we want to go? Our priorities, like staying late at work, taking on extra projects, getting extra sports camps in, choosing the right colleges to have the right appearances and attend the right parties, seems to reflect this choice that we make. It's the opposite of what Christ chose. So spiritually, we wait, we stall, we procrastinate, all because we don't want to be slowed down by what God wants to do in our lives. So my challenge to myself and if you're with me, my challenge may be to you this Christmas. Maybe this year, you and I could declare this. It is different this year, not just because of COVID. Not only have we seen God's entrance into our world, we can experience God's entrance into each of our own lives. We proclaim, we, we bank on, we put our faith in that when Jesus gave up what he did, to come to earth as a little baby, he became fully human. He integrated himself totally into our state of humanness in order to redeem us and to give us eternal life. And so it becomes our goal to give up ourselves totally to Christ, even as he gave up everything for us. 
this kind of messes with you if you stop to think about it. A life of downward mobility. A life of being a Jesus follower is likely a life of downward mobility. As you and I seek to follow in his footsteps, a disciple is somebody who follows a master, a master teacher. And here's the amazing thing. When it comes to downward mobility, you can actually grow in that. And it becomes more meaningful. And I don't know if it becomes less scary, but it becomes less paralyzing, I guess I would say. Because that's where you tend to see God the most. And I, if you're like me, for a long time, I, I did not see God at work. You can actually grow in this. A life of emptying ourselves. A life of serving all. A life of giving. It's my prayer that we could embrace the baby who became the man who emptied himself to the point of death on the cross to free us from our sins. Here's a warning, though. It won't make you popular. And it might send you on a truly downward spiral of self-giving and self-sacrifice. And there's through the centuries, and even today, Christians are being killed in vast numbers globally. Here's another thing I think about Christmas. And, you know, maybe we have a hard time naming what it is we're looking for this Christmas, but it could be this. Christmas is here to show us God is not vague you know, you might have a little manger scene at your house or an advent wreath or something like that, a nativity. As we build the nativity around Jesus, what if we were to ask Jesus to build his presence in us? Put it this way. If Christmas is here to show us God is not vague, my question is, aren't you tired of following Jesus in a vague way? Let's get specific. What would it look like for me not to follow Jesus in a vague way? You know, I'm, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. That's a beautiful statement, but it's a little vague. So let's get specific. Does God still call people to empty themselves like that? Well, I can share just a few examples. I'm part of a, a great church, Dexter United Methodist. And at this church this year, we spent about a quarter of a million dollars just giving it away beyond our congregation, given by people in our church to help others with food, with shelter, with hearing the message of hope, with repairing homes, with warm clothing to children. That's pretty incredible. That's worth Christmas celebration. Since last Christmas, I know of a couple lonely young men whose lives changed when they began giving themselves to help our youth ministry. I know some parents whose main job used to be getting food on the table and getting kids to athletic events whose lives were changed this year. They were emptied so that now they have conversations with their kids and they're teaching their kids. They're getting equipped to teach their kids to impact other people's lives. I know of a divorce couple who both emptied themselves to the point that God enabled them to get married again. How crazy is that? There's a bunch of people who have joined one of our small groups. This is a group of people, a small group of people, and they meet once a week. And they talk about life. They talk about God. They talk about jobs. They talk about relationships. They might study some specific topic for some of the time. But some of these people have emptied themselves of resentment toward each other, toward themselves, 
and and they say my life is more full. That is a Christmas miracle right there. I know people whose lives were changed so much so that they paid down their debt. They paid off their debt, some of them. And some of them are now generous in helping other people because they took the role of the servant instead of being enslaved to their finances and their lack of planning. They became proactive and disciplined to serve their needs so that they could get free of this debt. That's, that's incredible. If you've been under that kind of weight, what a miracle that feels like. Talk about a Christmas gift. I know of a couple people who gave up other addictions and they are now at such a much greater level of peace. All because they found the strength in giving up their lives to the one who emptied himself to come to earth, to be your servant, to be my servant, that we could share in every way with him. You know, it sounds so foreign to us to say, okay, if I had all the power of the universe, I'm going to display my power by not using it and by serving other people out of that. That sounds so backward to us, but I think that's only because we're the ones messed up. We think power means I get served. I get to be served. I don't have to serve anybody. But Jesus came to show us at Christmas time. It's exactly the opposite. Let's celebrate that and, and put something in place in your life, in the rest of today. It could be serving somebody by making a phone call, by making a meal, by looking outside yourself and figuring out how can I go down low enough to serve them and to be Christ for that person. Let that be your Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you guys. Thanks so much for your support. Thanks for supporting through Patreon. Thanks guys so much for all that you do and for sharing these messages with other people. God bless you. And Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.